Welcome back to Out of Sight. This, narrating for the very first time, is Lazari. If your first thought is, that doesn't sound like Lazari, I get it. If you've been following the podcast this far, you've probably gotten used to me as the chick who sounds like she's talking through three broken walkie-talkies. In order to explain why I suddenly sound like this, first I need to explain why I sounded like that. And that's really not a story I wanted to share with you for a very long time. But then a letter was left under my motel room door, marked with a strange insignia, LYS, a letter that mentioned me, in a context that realigned my shit in a big way. At a rest stop a few days later, I shook Blake awake in the middle of the night. I'm ready. I want to tell him everything. You do? Really? That's awesome, Laz. We just gotta figure out how. This is that story. The story of the dead girl. No prizes for guessing who that is. Hi, this is Blake Elrich, and welcome back to Why Did I Even Buy This Microphone in the First Place? The show where every week I explore why I've spent a year recording bland-ass audio footage and releasing absolutely none of it. In this week's exciting episode, which isn't really an episode because I won't be editing it or sharing it with the public, I will be deleting audio files and transcripts to free up space on my computer. Thrilling, right? So which file is going to be my first victim? You know what? I'm just going to delete all of it. <sighs> no, I'm not. That's stupid. I don't know why I said that. I'll check each file first to make sure there's no babies in this tsunami of bathwater. Didn't I delete that one? I thought I deleted all the October 2017 shit. I'm sure as hell deleting it now. Hold up. Jesus. What is that smell? Okay, it's October 12, 2017. I'm in Brooklyn. I've been told not to get more specific than that. It's an apartment. That's generous. Okay. <laughs> really more of a squat. No water, no power. Just candles cupped in glass jars. I'm sitting on a pile of cushions across from my host, who's still waiting for me to answer her question. Right. So, what was it? Visions? Second sight? Did you ask a fucking psychic? How the hell did you find me again? I smell pizza. Honestly, this is the most depressing shit. I'm up to March 2018, and not one transcript, not one minute of audio is worth... What the fuck? I deleted that. Y'all heard me delete that, right? Not that deleting shit makes a sound, but that's from October 2017. I fucking deleted that. Didn't I? I mean, I would have checked it first just to make sure, right? So, 
I'll check it now. I'll read it now. It just takes a sec. And on to April 2018. Is it weird if I describe you into the mic while you're sitting there? What, you're like a podcaster now? I mean, until I actually release something, I'm more just a guy playing with mics. Do what you want. You won't remember any of this in a couple hours. I'm literally recording it. Won't make a difference. Whatever you say. My first impression at the pizza place was young, maybe early 20s. Pretty, in a wayfish way. Blue dreads and matching blue lipstick. But right now, with her hood pulled up and her arms folded around herself, this girl could easily be a 21st century aspect of death itself. Look at you, Mr. Eloquent. Is it okay if I add that to my Tinder? Okay, something seriously weird is going on here, non-listeners. I've deleted every unusable transcript off my computer from 2017 and 2018 so far. It took me over a week, but they're all gone. Except this one fucker. October 2017. I'm pretty sure I haven't even opened it. I mean, I've got recordings of myself saying I'm going to open it saying I'm going to delete it, but every day I come back and it's still there. Okay, I've been listening back to what I recorded, and there's a pattern. Every time I say I'm going to open it and read it, I forget, like instantly. But every time I try to just delete it, like I'm doing right now, I suddenly smell pizza. Even though there's no pizza anywhere near me. So there are two forces at play here. My memory doesn't want to open it, but the pizza doesn't want to let it go. I sound fucking nuts. I sound fucking nuts. Just keep thinking pizza. Just keep thinking pizza. Just keep and double click. I did it. I opened the file. That doesn't want to be open. Let's see. Who the hell is Lazari? So, is Lazari your first name or last name? I'll answer that if you tell me how you found me. I told you. I I followed the smell of pizza. Shit. Maybe it's true. You kind of seem like you've got the touch of something. I don't think you're normal. I mean, I'm a wandering ghost hunter with no home, no friends, and no real purpose, so you won't get any argument there. You have a past, though. We're not talking about me. That's fine. Maybe it's not you at all. Maybe it's the date. October 12th. It's my death date. I mean... Happy anniversary? (laughs) Spin, asshole. Sorry. Listen, if I know you, why don't I remember you? Comes with the territory. What territory is that? I'm dead. You don't look like a ghost to me. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not a corpse, either. I breathe, I eat, I interact with the living. I'm just not one of you. Sorry, but that... Kinda sounds like being alive. I interact with the living. That doesn't mean I can affect 
the living. I feel like you're affecting me. Doesn't count if it doesn't last. So I'll just forget this meeting, like I forgot we met before. Yep. Even though I'm recording it. Did I record this? This transcript is. Did this actually happen? Okay, right, chill out. This is a transcript. If there's a transcript, there must be audio, right? Pretty sure I haven't been writing one-act plays in my sleep, so this couldn't exist unless I recorded it. Which means it's somewhere on this goddamn computer. She's somewhere on this goddamn computer. Okay, so how did you die? How much time do you have? Because that story goes all the way back to high school. You look like high school was about three years ago. Sure, that's what I look like. Then how old are you, really? I'm going to tell you this story again, even though I've told you before, even though it hurts to tell. Look, if you don't... Would you guess I was ever preppy? A popular kid? I... would not. Yep. The total package. Hottest thing since a trash fire. I went to school over in Jackson Heights, and I was the most glamorous thing there. Everyone said I looked like Madonna. Wait, Madonna circa... Like a virgin. Okay, just doing the math. When I say I'm dead, Blakey boy, that means I don't age. Like a vampire? Minus the sexy parts. Well, (laughs) not back then. Yeah? By the middle of my senior year... I ruled that school. I had a literal gaggle of guys tripping over themselves for me. God. I loved how they just went stupid in front of me. Like magic, putty in my hands. I loved making them cry. That sounds... that's terrifying. Yeah, you should be scared. You're exactly the type I went for. Tall, strong, tattoos, that whole thing. In a way, the leukemia was almost a blessing. Hold up. Leukemia? I honestly think if things kept going the way they were, I would have turned out to be a total psychopath. Or a cokehead. Or why not both? So, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. You have leukemia? Dude, we've barely scratched the surface. If you're going to get sad about every little thing, we're going to be here all night. I've got all night. Myelogenous, they said. The kind they couldn't cure. Like, insidious. Doctors gave me three years. I was 19. Jesus. Tried a month of chemo, and then I was like, fuck that noise. I'm not living like that. Just to die anyway. So I stopped going to doctors. I was pissed. And fucking terrified. And all I could think was, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'll do anything, just... Don't let me die. (laughs) And once you know you'll do anything. Sure. I started small. Alternative medicine, hippie shit, herbs and oils and meditation or whatever. Which obviously did nothing. Just ate up time I didn't have. Right. So I started thinking. Maybe I could beat death 
if I could learn everything about it. No, your enemy. And I became a leading expert on that fucker. Started getting into ghosts, spiritualism, went full goth, lace, corsets, carried a Ouija board everywhere like it wasn't a fucking Hasbro toy. I graduated to tarot readings, then seances, and from there, it was a pretty short trip to the occult. You know the origin of the word occult? Tell me. It means secret, hidden, buried. It means if a thing's accessible, it's probably not going to be very powerful. You're not going to walk into borders, pick up Raven fucking Moonchild's latest book on Wicca, and expect it to give you all the answers. When you're looking at a ticking clock, like I was, you need the upheaving ancient shit. The kind of shit that would give the Golden Dawn conniptions. Your angel isn't going to answer to a bit of incense and a chalk circle. No demon is dragging her ass out of hell for an ounce of blood and a dead cat. Figuring out how to break down the walls of reality and see what's on the other side? That shit takes years of study. It transforms you in ugly, irreversible ways. And sometimes, you never get what you want. But you are still willing to try. It's amazing what a person will do for another ten minutes of life. Not even good life. It's about kicking that can another inch down the road. Even if it breaks every bone in your foot. So, 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 sorry, I, I'm, I'm kind of jacked right now. So, I figured if the transcripts from October 2017, the recording itself is probably from around the same time, right? Transcribing sucks, which means I usually try to get it over with fast. So, I went through all the audio files I had for September and October 2017. Should be easy, right? Just look for Lazari or the dead girl. But, I kept not seeing it. It was there, but I kept scrolling past it. So I stopped. I took a deep breath, and I ran the cursor over the files until I smelled pizza. Forced myself to access a memory, I guess. And there it was. And now it's open on my desktop, just waiting for me to press play. Ready to go on this journey with me, audience of nobody? Is it weird if I describe you into the mic while you're sitting there? I mean, until I actually release something, I'm more just a guy playing with mics. What the fuck? I'm literally recording it. Whatever you say. This is just me. Talking to myself. There's no Lazari. I got in with this group of... We'll call them occultists. People who dedicate their lives to this kind of stuff. They knew their shit. <laughs> Total nerds. And they were cool with you? They liked that I was an eager neophyte. Ready to learn. And they felt sorry for me with the cancer. Plus, I was hooking up with their leader. Ah. It was a power I still had for the time being, so I wielded it. I'm not ashamed. Don't think you should be. It opened a lot of doors. 
Someone met someone, you know, who knew someone else, who'd heard of this guy up in the Dolomites, up in Italy. Supposedly, he could cure what ails you. And at this point, I was really sick, tired, my joints ached, I was stick thin. But despite all that, we got up enough money and I boarded a plane to Italy, hiked up into the mountains with nothing but a backpack. I never saw my friends again. What happened? The guy, Vincent, he lived in a mansion in the mountains, about as far from civilization as you can reasonably get. Tell me about him. Oh, I wasn't ready for how young he was. He looked like he was in his mid-thirties, not nearly old enough for the reputation he had. But his look, when he answered the door, it wasn't compassionate. It was calculating. He was sizing up my potential, not figuring out how he could help me. But you still went in? I mean, beautiful Italian mansion. The epitome of tall, dark, and handsome, pouring me wine. Plus, there was still the whole I'll do anything aspect. Right. He impressed me that night. He always impressed me. I thought my friends knew their shit. Vincent blew them out of the water. Every word, oh, he was supremely educated, knowledgeable, wise. And you know, he fucking oozed charm. <laughs> Didn't take long for me to start idolizing him. Made it easy to ignore what my gut told me. I was nothing to him but a science experiment. Yeah, this guy sounds like a real winner. <laughs> Part of me hates him for it. Part of me still sees him as a mentor in a fucked up way. I'll say this. He never flat out lied to me. He said he could do what I asked. Cure me. Said, you want to stay on this earth? You want to be free of sickness? Pain? Forever? And of course, yes, 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 I'll do anything. And then we shook hands, and he took a drop of my blood. Deal with the devil. I don't give him that much credit. But he did have power, contacts, resources. He used to mention something called the Society. I think some group that helped him learn what he knew. The Society... And I don't know if it was from them or another connection, but it seemed like he had access to some really ancient texts. Seemed? He wouldn't let me see his research. Got pissed if I so much as glanced over. Did you manage to catch anything? Bits and pieces. Something about the library of Ashurbanipal and the destruction of the Kushite Empire. Which would make whatever documents he had, like, thousands of years old. <laughs> And he was going to use one of these ancient texts to cure your leukemia? I think he mixed and matched. Just going off the procedure itself. I think he took some stuff from the ancients, some from modern occultism, shades of alchemy, lots of chemistry. The procedure. Yeah. This part. I mean... If you need a break, I could run out for donuts, or... If you run out for donuts, you'll forget I exist. Let's just do this.
Dear Internet of the Strange, a lot of you know me, Blake Elrich, the guy you tell your stories to, but not today. Today, I need your help. I'm posting this audio file across multiple forums dedicated to the occult and unexplained phenomena in the hope that at least one of you can tell me I'm not crazy. Listen to this. We're talking stone tablets and hieroglyphs? Of course, how could I be so ignorant? And he was going to use one of these ancient texts to cure your leukemia? It sounds like I'm talking to myself, right? But listen closer to the silence between my words. We're talking stone tablets and hieroglyphs? Of course, how could I be so ignorant? I've edited a bunch of the silences together. Listen. Please, someone out there, I don't know why this is so important to me, but it feels like something life-changing is slipping through my fingers. So please, someone, anyone out there, tell me you hear that too. It wasn't like a thing we did one night. We prepped for six months. Six months? Vincent had to prepare his cure, and I had to prepare myself. My body and mind. He told me it was going to be the hardest thing I'd ever do. And he was right. Like I said, Guy never lied to me about it. It was intensive. Like boot camp. Every single day, there was studying and meditating and screaming. Sigil making and... Yoga and bloodletting. Felt like I never stopped crying. Vincent was there through all of it, leading me, pushing me, my doyen, my fucking deity. By the end, I was so sick I could barely get out of bed. I was also head over fucking heels for the guy. He made a lot of promises about starting a life together after it was over. Those got me through it. And then on October 12th, 1991, Vincent woke me up and said we were ready. Said my pain was about to come to an end. All I had to do was die. Yeah, no, why would you- Think about where I was, Blake. Think about who I was. Barely 20, facing a death sentence. Alone in a remote mansion with an insanely charismatic genius. I trusted him. I loved him. Yeah. He took me down to the basement. I'd never been allowed in before. And on the way he explained, Death is the end of a cycle. Winter into spring. You must traverse death to have new life. Oh, man. And even then, I'm trying to make it right in my head, like, oh, it's a metaphorical death. It's hyperbole. So I go into his, he called it his lab, his sanctuary, his holiest of holies. You can probably imagine it. A secret room beneath a castle, candlelight, books and diagrams and blueprints, flasks and glass vials, one part alchemy lab, one part library. Alchemy. He had me lay down on a table, restrain my wrists and 
ankles. He took a dagger, uh, this ornate dagger, used it to make a cut on my arm and sort of bled me into this cup on the ground. And in my other arm, he started like an IV line, huge needle, Mm. hurt like a bitch. He connected it to this long tube. Whatever it was pumping into me, it felt like ice. Do you know what it was? No idea. Something insane. I can't describe how it made me feel. Like I wasn't dying anymore, but also like I was closer to death than I'd ever been. What was Vincent doing during this? Pacing around, checking stuff, muttering. He made me lay there for quite a while. World's worst IV drip. (laughs) My head started swimming. And right when I think I'm about to pass out, he comes over. He's holding that dagger again. Raises it up. As flesh, he says. As earth. And he stabs me in the heart. Whoa, what? Took me off guard, too. I think I screamed, but I couldn't move. Totally paralyzed. And he stabbed me again, um, between my ribs, again in my side, and finally in my throat. Okay, uh, are you saying this actually happened, or...? Why don't you tell me? Uh, hey, hold up. Uh, uh, Lazari, don't take off your... Jesus. Um, you can see exactly where he y- cut me. You don't have to show me. That's cute, right? Some of the scars are rough, sure, but... Some are... So symmetrical. It almost looks like a pattern for a... A sewing project. <laughs> right? Christ. Well, you know what they say. You never forget your first. Your first what? I woke up. I was dead, and I woke up. Vincent was stalking around, muttering, my blood all over him, still wet. And when he saw I was up, he starts yelling at me about how I'd been dead for seven minutes, how it shouldn't have been more than five. And on one level, I hated him. But... I also felt stronger. Not strong enough, not yet, but stronger. So instead of screaming at him, I asked, What's next? What was next? I still have that IV line in my arm. And brings over a syringe. It's filled with some really dark liquid. And when he injects it, I start blacking out instantly. And then I feel him. And he wraps a a rope around my neck. And I remember trying to fight. But he just... As breath, as air, he says. And he pulls it tighter and tighter around my neck. And then he was just... Black. (sighs) Fuck. (laughs) That was, uh... You get harder to kill every time, you know? No, I don't know. I snapped too again. 
still on that damn table, still strapped down. Vincent told me I'd been dead for two hours, which apparently was perfect. His faith in me was restored. I knew the drill now. Injection, then death. I begged. <laughs> I begged him to stop. And he just looked at me. I'd never seen his eyes that cold. Fucker. He injected me. Didn't even see him do it. Just felt it like ice. As humors. As water. He says. And you know what waterboarding is? Shit. Yes. It didn't hurt. At least I think I was beyond that. I just couldn't breathe. It was almost peaceful. Maybe that's why I remembered it that time. Remembered being dead? Or something, some kind of otherwhere. I was wandering dark hallways in an old mansion. Old, disused furniture and all the windows draped in heavy brocade curtains. All the doors were locked. There were mounds of gray dirt piled up against them too. The whole house was like that. Felt uh, encased, inescapable, like if you could bury a building alive. Except I knew there was a door for me somewhere in all those infinite hallways. I just had to find it. And then I woke up on a stone slab again. But we were outside under the stars. I was soaking wet. The chemical smell in the air. And Vincent was there? Yeah. He looked exhausted, like he was desperate for this to be over. He also looked... What? A little freaked out. Like maybe he had made a mistake? I think about that a lot. Maybe he was just trying to cure my... Like he didn't mean to... I don't know why I'm making excuses for him. He did what he did, and now I am what I am. He stood over me on that slab, injected me with something, then lit a match. And he said, as spirit, as fire. And that's when I realized I wasn't soaked in water. Fuck. I burned for a long time. Longer than a person should be able to. That was the worst one. <laughs> and after I was floating in endless black, and I could see far away this sphere of light <laughs> and colors like an aurora, like a vast eye in the darkness. And somehow I was supposed to be part of that, but I just kept being dragged back to the fire. And, and the eye just watched me go. <laughs> and, 
here. Can I... Is this okay? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, fuck you and your big strong arms. Ugh. <laughs> 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 you think after 30 fucking years. I don't think you'd get over something like that in a hundred years. I guess I'll find out. What does that mean? We have a special guest today. My first guest ever. And and no, it's it's not the nice couple in Iceland I've been corresponding with like every three hours for weeks now. They declined to be recorded for this, but they are very nice people. Some nice people will bring you cupcakes, but other nice people bring you everything they know about supernaturally altered media. They bring you everything they've learned from almost two decades of experimentation with uh, eliminating non-Pythagorean waveforms from digital media. It's an unbelievably slow process, like trying to take all the tomato sauce out of a bowl of spaghetti with a toothpick. But once you do, people, once you do, and you cut the sound patterns equidistantly to bring them into human hearing levels, what you get, well, just listen to this. Let's hear that one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest ever, Lazari. And sure, that sounds like it was recorded on the moon, but I'm pretty sure she's saying... When I woke up, I was still in the stones lab outside, but it was morning. Vincent was gone. What do you mean gone? He just left you? I didn't know. I showered. I looked in the mirror, saw all this for the first time. But honestly, in that moment... I was just glad that the first death was the only one that left any marks. <laughs> no burns, no rope mark on my neck. And I felt... great. <laughs> Better than I ever had in my life. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I was running through that fucking house, desperate to find Vincent so I could thank him, start our new life together. We were both monsters. <laughs> Now, I figured, Frankenstein and his creature. But I couldn't find him anywhere. I waited until all the food ran out. But he never came back. Honestly, I'm a little relieved. Me too. Now, at the time it sucked. My first real heartbreak. Okay, so this is Blake Elridge. It's October 12th, 2017, and I'm on the streets of Brooklyn. Chasing a memory. You ever tried that? Chasing a memory? It's like sticking your hand in a random part of the ocean and hoping you pull out a fish. But at least this memory has a sense that goes with it. A smell. Pizza. A smell that keeps... I swear. Leading me. I know how that sounds, but it's like the memory of that smell keeps telling me which way to turn until... 
people, I think this is it. I think this is the pizza place that keeps wafting into my nose from miles away. The smell I can't let go of because there's something at its source that won't let me go. So I guess all I can do now is walk in and hope like hell that the answer presents itself. Okay, so nothing's immediately jumping out. Starting to feel a little stupid. Jesus Christ, Blake. How the fuck did you find me? Do I know you? Big question. I don't want to sound creepy, but I don't think I'd forget someone who looks like you. Fuck. I'm gonna have to tell it to you all over again, aren't I? When did you first notice something was wrong? I was coming down out of the mountains. This guy in a truck almost ran me over. Like, he didn't even see me in the road. He felt so bad he offered me a ride. It was fine, until we got to a gas station. He went in to pay, and when he came back, I was still sitting in his truck. He flipped out. Like, who the hell are you? Why are you in my car? (laughs) In Italian, of course. I only knew enough to get the basic gist, but the main thing was this guy, who'd been friendly only moments before, was now screaming at me. So I ran. But I noticed pretty quick, like, it wasn't just him. Some people wouldn't notice me at all, ever. And if they did, if they said hi, maybe learned my name, they'd forget all about me if I so much as left their field of awareness. After it happened enough times, I just sort of figured out the rules. The rules? Of my new life. Well, okay, life's not the right word. Why not? Because life implies that you can die. And I can't. Believe me, I've tried. The last 30 years, you can't imagine the suicide attempts. Me, little miss, I'll do anything. And now I can't die. That's rule number one. I can't even get sick. I can't age, either. I'm damn near 50, and you thought I was fresh out of high school. 50? Jesus. Enviable. Right. The dream. But then there's the flip side. Rule number two. I can't have any effect on the world. I slide in and out of people's minds like water through a sieve. People forget me the instant they focus on something else. Sometimes I can get people to talk to me for a while. Like we're talking now. But as soon as they leave the room. Gone. My emails and texts get lost or skipped over. If we talk on the phone, you'll forget me the second you hang up. How did you even get home from Italy? I walked onto the plane and nobody stopped me. I walked through goddamn customs and nobody stopped me. Never took my passport out of my pocket. For a couple hours, it almost felt like a superpower. But then I tried to visit my parents. Oh, shit. Because remember, in their minds, I'm their cancer-ridden daughter who disappeared for almost a year. I got home. They embraced me. We all cried. All three of us in one big human knot. I love you. I never thought I'd see you again. 
And then I went to the bathroom and came back out and it happened all over again. In the few minutes I was gone, they reset back to thinking I was lost and probably dead. Did they ever start remembering? No. It was always just as emotional as the first time. Sometimes I'd hang back so they wouldn't notice me. It's easy for me. If I don't get in people's faces, they don't know I'm there. Can't imagine that worked out. It just meant watching them grieve. I watched my mom get sadder every day she thought I was still missing. I watched my dad start drinking. I watched them mount a search operation in another country for a daughter who was right there at home. So I left. I couldn't do it anymore. They had a memorial service for me a few months later. I didn't go. I moved around a lot at first. It's easy to find places to stay when you're a living ghost, but none of them are permanent. You can't pay rent when the landlord doesn't even know he has a tenant. You can't get a job when an employer doesn't remember your interview. I squatted in nice places a lot, but I hated getting walked in on by realtors or prospective buyers. Explains this place, I guess. It ain't the Ritz, but at least I don't get bothered. What's it like, day to day? Lonely. Transitory. Probably a lot like what real ghosts feel like. I walk around Brooklyn and nobody sees me. I steal what I need to survive. Kick back at that pizza place where they must wonder why they lose a slice a day like clockwork. You're the first person I've talked to in more than a year. And you've already told me. That entire story. Once before. All of it. Why put yourself through that? Why relive all that horror if I'm just going to forget? Because of how you listened last time and how you listened this time. It's like you can't be sure. How could you be sure? But you're choosing to believe me. I might never have someone listen to me like that again. But I'm recording it. You think I haven't tried every way there is to document that I exist? My voice will vanish off that recording in a matter of hours. What? No, that... It can't... I'm sorry, Blake. I can't just accept that. I can't just let this... If any consolation the way you're feeling right now will fade as soon as you walk out that door. You're saying your voice will be gone in a couple hours, meaning it's still there now. Right. But by the time you get home... Then we won't wait that long. I'll transcribe it right now, with you in the room, with me the whole time, and I'll save it to my computer, and then I'll have a permanent record, and I won't be able to forget. Blake, that'll take all night, maybe half the day tomorrow. I'm free if you are. I'm telling you, something will happen to it. It'll get lost or corrupted. It's worth a shot, Lazari. I can't... I can't forget you. I just can't. Please. It won't make... Okay. We can try. Lazari was right. I transcribed the most incredible story I've ever heard from the 
most incredible person I've ever met. And I walked out the door, and within five steps, I was wondering what the hell I was doing in Brooklyn. To this day, I don't have any memory of that night. I could easily have never seen Lazaria again. So how is she sitting in this studio with me now, along with one other person who you'll meet in a minute? What happened was I was sitting in my usual pizza joint near my squat, enjoying my usual on-the-house slice, when someone who looked like they dropped even further out of the human race than I had came bursting in. He was sliding into the booth before I realized it was Blake. He said, I have a tape I want to play for you. And we've barely been apart since. At first, I was scared to let her leave my sight, like she'd run into a store for smokes and I'd forget her forever. But the more time we spent on the road together from late 2018 to now, the more she got lodged in my head. Babies learn object permanence. I had to learn Lazari permanence. Once Blake showed me the techniques that couple in Iceland taught him for pulling my voice out of the ether, it became my obsession. I'll admit it, Laz is just better with sound than I am. I refine it again and again, clarifying my voice as much as I can, even though I know it'll never be enough. Every time you hear my voice on this show, even just saying a couple of words, it's the product of hours of processing. It's worth it. But it wouldn't have been for this episode the one where I finally decided to tell my story. There's just too much to say, too many words. It would have taken a year to process it all enough for you to understand it. Which is why when I told Blake, I'm ready. I want to tell them everything. He said, We just got to figure out how. So, like I said from the start, if your first thought is, that doesn't sound like Lazari... It's because it's not. I'm not Lazari. Lazari's here. She's sitting across from me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. But me? I'm just an actor reading from a transcript. No, just about it. You were perfect. We can't tell you anything about her. She won't let us pay her, and she won't let us credit her as anything other than... A person who cried when you told me her story. What you've been listening to was a recreation. Me and our unnamed friend here went to Lazari's old squat, set up my mic, and read the transcript out loud. Uh, well, I read it. She had it memorized. It wasn't honor. You know you forget all this the second you step out of the studio, right? I understand. So what made this worth it to you? Why do it at all? Because you came through death four times. Because this guy here knew it was worth reaching across oblivion to find you. Because you could have walked away when you lost everything, but here you are, on the road with Blake, looking for answers. Because you're alive, Lazari. Don't ever doubt that. And you deserve to be heard. Before you go, before you forget me, Will you read the letter that took us to the disappearing town and made all this happen in the first place? Of course, Lazari. Dear Blake, we would like to bring your attention to Lone Falls, Colorado, a small mountain town, population 2,000, 
Since November 2018, there have been reports of strange events taking place there. The town is disappearing. More disturbingly, people are disappearing too. Out of Sight, created by Reflector Entertainment, produced by Gideon Media, written by Jessica Kincaid, directed by Jordana Williams, and starring Jorge Cordova and Reina DeCourcy. The executive producer is Alexander Amancio. The IP producer is Alexis Otier. Sound design by Bart Fassbender. Music by Yuchiro Oku. And additional writing by Mac Rogers. The executive producer for Gideon Media is Sean Williams. This episode also features Lori Prince.